Well, today I wanted to take the opportunity to share with you a little more in depth on what we've just kind of walked through with the four G's of discipleship. And as we do that, quick note, we don't have kingdom kids today, but I won't go on and on, I promise. But I do want to pause now for a moment and invite you to pray with me. Can we pray together? Father God, you have been so good to us in a trying season, both as a congregation and for many of our members, for what's just going around in the world today. Help us not to be blinded by the goodness of you, our God. God, you have shown us how good you are, first and foremost, by giving us your son, Jesus that we might know him, that we might trust him, that we might follow him, love him, and obey him. And God, that we might share that great love that you have for us in Christ with others. So God, help us to just tune into your word this morning. Listen to what you have to say about what it means to follow Jesus. Convict our hearts and challenge us to take steps forward in our own discipleship. And sharpen us as a congregation as we seek to help one another become more like him. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We also have a finance report in our bulletin uh, starting on page 41. I don't really want you to turn over and stay there, but if you want to turn over for just a second... And then as we get into God's word and the message today, just close the book and let's hear what God has to say. But I just want to point out one thing is that God has blessed us in a challenging season uh, with finances that we um, are most grateful for through your obedience to God's word and giving of what God has given to you. And so thank you for being faithful stewards of God's blessings. On page 42, you'll notice that 7.7% of all our receipts were given to mission work to share the love of Jesus locally, around the state, around our country, and even around the world. And you are a part of that. A portion of every dollar you give goes to support mission work somewhere else. And so we give thanks for that. And we're also excited that in the coming year, or this year now, we're in 2022, we have uh, pledged as a church to increase from 7.7 to almost 10%, I think it's 9.5, somewhere in that category, 9.5% of all that we have come in, we are looking to put out towards mission work locally and beyond. So thank you for that. I want to point out one more quick thing. We had some unusual gifts come in at the end of the year. If you look at page 46 and page 47, and last, month, last week at our monthly business meeting, we discussed what to do with those abnormally large financial gifts. And the consensus among our finance committee, which was uh, brought to our church to ask for their approval to make these adjustments or make these um, moves with our finances, was to take a large portion of those financial gifts and put it towards our education building remodel fund. By doing that, with the well over $400,000 worth of gifts that came in just in December, this is an incredible blessing, we were able to fill up 
all that we needed to renovate our education building. And for that, we praise God. I'd love for you to give him a hand. That's a big deal, y'all. We use our education building more than any other space in our church. We use it Sunday morning. We use it uh, Wednesday night. It's filled up with kids and children, our young adults, and our couples and singles class. It is a very high-trafficked area and is much needed uh, to get in there and renovate. And we're so excited. We're working on plans and getting bids and all this stuff. And our, and our education building remodel committee is doing a phenomenal job. And so you'll be hearing more from them in the coming days. But I did want to pause and talk about that for just a moment. You're going to hear more about this and what all that means next week. We're going to have, on the fifth Sunday of every month, we have our education building remodel fund slash committee report. And we're going to talk to you more about what all that means. But, you know, facilities aren't everything, but they are something. And they're an important part of what we do as a church. Is it allows us to have a space to do our ministries. And for that, we're very grateful. And I just want to walk through with you what those ministries are that we've already talked about, but show you where we find this in Scripture and the importance of it. So we begin by asking three big questions and then a fourth. The three are, what are we called to do as a church? The second is, why are we called to do that as a church? And the third is, how are we going to do that? So the first question is, what are we called to do as a church? And it's my conviction, I think it's our conviction as a church, that we don't have to guess. God's word tells us what we are supposed to do as a church. In fact, it's from the gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, if you want to turn over there with me. We're going to see the words of Jesus as he tells his disciples, here's what I want you to do, which has now become our marching orders. Pick up in verse 18 of Matthew 28. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So if you've been around church for a long time, or if you're new to church, it's a good thing to ask, what's the church supposed to be doing? What's this all about? And Jesus tells us, what I want you to be about is I want you to go make disciples. I want you to take this good news you know and share it with those around you. Discipling others, teaching them what I have taught you and helping them to grow in their faith. That's the answer to the first question. That is, in a sense, our purpose. It is to make disciples. The second question is why? Why make disciples? It's every parent's favorite question. We love hearing why. We love hearing curious little voices of our little kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews. They want to know more. They don't want to just stay at the service level. They want to dig deep. Or maybe they're just finding a way out of whatever it is you told them to do. But the point is, is that knowing why is a really good thing. Why do we make disciples? It's my conviction, I think it's our conviction, that our motivation for making disciples is a love for God and a love for God's creation, particularly mankind. So Jesus is asked the question, what's the most important commandment in all of the Bible? For them, it would have been the Old Testament. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus gives them his answer. 
He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, Jesus is saying, love God with everything that you have. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, he says, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commands. So we make disciples. We tell people about Jesus. We encourage them to have a relationship with Jesus. We teach them the things that Jesus has taught us that we have recorded in the scriptures. But why do we do that? We do it because we love God. And we want God to be known among all people. We want God to be worshipped. We want him to be glorified. He's the best thing we know about. We may brag on a new restaurant or we may brag on a new, new car that we got or how wonderful a new product is we tried and we become evangelists for those things. It's a natural thing to talk about and tell others about something great that you have discovered. There's nothing greater than God. There's nothing more wonderful, amazing, incredible than God. We love God and we want God to be known. And because we love God, we want to tell others. And it's because we love others we want to tell them about God. We care about people. We know what the scriptures teach us. That without Jesus, hell is our eternity. Separation from God forever. To pay for the penalty of our sins. If I care enough about you, I don't want you to have that future. I want you to be in heaven, in glory with God and me forever. Because I love you, I want to share this good news of Jesus with you and help you grow in that relationship with God. So we make disciples, that's our purpose. And our motivation is a love for God and a love for one another. The third question is how are we going to do that as a congregation? Now that's a different question, though there is a lot of overlap between that question and what do you need to do individually that's an important question too but what do we do as a church how do we organize program plan budget around this idea of making disciples motivated by a love for God and people how are we going to do that what is our strategy in other words in other words that's where the four G's come into play and that's what you've heard outlined here today the first and, and, and first step in all of this is to glorify God in our Sunday morning worship service. What we do on Sunday morning is no small thing. It, it has been a part of the life of the church since the church got going. They chose Sunday to worship specifically because it was a day on which Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And the church said, this is now our day. This is when we gather. This is when we worship as a church family, as a congregation. And so this is no small thing that we do on Sunday morning. We're standing in line of a couple thousand years worth of church history that gathers on Sundays to worship. Now churches gather on all sorts of days and nights of the week and praise God for that. The point is, is that we gather for worship, fulfilling the command of Scripture in Psalm 29.2. Psalm 29.2, the psalmist says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do His name. That we owe God our worship. The psalmist says, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And then one of my favorite uh, scripture verses about worship comes from the book of Ephesians. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in a town or a city called Ephesus. In that passage of Ephesians chapter 5, 18, halfway through 18 through 20, Paul is giving, he is giving uh, some helpful 
information to the church on worship. And he says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is Paul saying to the church in Ephesus? What's he saying to us? He's saying when you gather to worship, you're doing two things, at least two things. You are worshiping God. Right? He says that in the second half. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. When you sing the songs, you're singing to the Lord. Can I, I, I didn't plan on saying this, but this is a command, y'all. It doesn't say sing the songs you like. It doesn't say sing the songs you're familiar with. It says sing. Sing the song, whatever it is. Make that your prayer to the Lord. Even if you don't sing well, as Amy said earlier, you don't have to sing well. The point is to worship God through music and song because God is do that. We owe him that. But there's something else it says here. It says we need to sing to one another, not about one another necessarily. It begins with speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Have you ever been blessed by someone standing next to you in worship? And they're singing their heart out to God. And that just encourages you. You just say, praise God. Look at my brother. Look at my sister in Christ. Worshiping the Lord. We're in this together. We got to sing truths to one another because we know this. The week that goes on will cause us to forget the truths that we sing on Sunday. We got to get back together next Sunday and sing these truths again. We got to sing them to one another. We got to hear each other. That's why it's important to sing out loud from the heart. To the Lord whom you owe it to, but also to the other people around you, that they may be encouraged in that time of worship through song. That's the first G. We glorify God by worshiping together on Sundays. The second G is to grow. Grow together as followers of Jesus by gathering with one another in our small groups ministry, both Sunday morning and the one Friday night that actually Amy leads that one. To grow together. By reading God's word, sharing our life, praying for one another, encouraging one another. That's the second G. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. If you're in a small group, you get encouraged by those in your small group. Or at least you should. In the group I'm in part of, we encourage one another. And I hear that testimony from the other groups in our church, that they're encouraged by that time together. It's an instrumental part of our spiritual growth. is together with other believers to study God's word, to encourage and pray for one another. The third G is give. We make disciples by empowering others to give of themselves in weekly ministry opportunities. You've heard about that already from Sunday morning, worship service, small groups, Wednesday night. There's lots of opportunities to serve on a weekly basis. In doing so, we're becoming more and more like Christ. Mark 10, 45 says, For the Son of Man, this is Jesus' words himself, he says, The Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think Amy read this verse, 1 Peter 4, 10, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. It's been said, and I don't disagree with it, that we're never more like Jesus than when we're, when we're serving. If we're going to be a disciple, which means a follower, 
of Jesus. We have to be like him in serving. And so that is our third G. The fourth G is to go. We've heard from the Great Commission. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 has its own commission. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But also in John 20, 21, Jesus says this to his disciples. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Sending you and me where? Into our corners of the world. Where we have influence on people's lives. Where we have relationships. Where we can show and share the love of Jesus with others. That happens right here in our community, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. And then around the state, around our country, around the world, there's opportunity for us to be on mission, to go on mission, to share and show the love of Jesus. So there's a fourth question that you won't find on your little handout that shows all these G's. It's, a, it's kind of assumed, but I didn't want to assume it this morning. The fourth question, key question is, who can be a disciple? Our first question is, what are we called to do as a church? Make disciples. The second question is, why are we called to make disciples? Because we love God and we love people. The third question is, how do we do that then? And the four G's are our answer. And then the fourth question is, who can be a disciple? And the answer is, anyone who is willing to leave behind what they once knew, what once was, in order to follow Jesus into what could be. Anyone who's willing to leave behind what once was in order to follow Jesus into what could be. Anyone who's willing to do that is a disciple. What could be is a life lived under the lordship of Jesus and the security of his love and the knowledge of his sacrifice for us that we might be forgiven and made right with God, a child of his now and forever. This idea is found throughout, particularly the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says many times, come follow me. Matthew 19, 21, he says, come follow me. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus says, come follow me. Matthew 18, 22, Jesus says, follow me. Matthew 9, 9 says, follow me. Matthew 10, 38, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And if they didn't hear that, he repeats it again in Matthew 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. This is the invitation. Anyone can become a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is what? It's someone who follows after another to learn from them a way of life. And Jesus extends this invitation to every single person. If you want to be a disciple of mine, what you must do is leave behind what once was and follow me into what could be. And that is sometimes a very difficult, a very scary, a very challenging thing to do. Because we may feel very comfortable in what currently is. We like the control we have in our life. We're at least familiar with the worries and concerns that we have. We don't know what to expect if we follow Jesus. But that's part of the adventure. God did not intend your life to be boring, hum-ho, regular. He's called you on an adventure. But that adventure starts when you decide 
I'm willing to leave behind what once was in order to follow Jesus into what could be. And once you say yes to that, you are on your way in this life of discipleship, and there's nothing better. It's all the grace of God. If he's calling you into that, that's the grace of God. Perhaps you've heard these four G's and you said, well, I'm doing one, but I'm not doing two. I'm coming to worship service, but I'm not coming to Bible study. Or I'm coming to worship service and Bible study, but I'm not serving regularly. Or I'm doing all of that, I'm serving regularly, but I'm not being proactive in sharing the good news and word and deed with those around me. I just want to challenge you to embrace that adventure of what could be in your discipleship, your walk with Jesus. What is the next step he's, he's calling you to? And you may feel in your soul hesitation. Because it's going to require something of you that maybe you do not have. That is the step of faith that Jesus calls us into. To move along in the process of discipleship is to take one step of faith after the next. Not knowing exactly what's to come, but knowing the promise of Jesus that we read earlier in Matthew 28. And I am with you even to the ends of the earth. So God is calling us into discipleship. That might be a scary thing for a lot of us, myself included. What does that mean? And God says, just trust me. Walk with me. Jesus says, just follow me. Are you willing to follow him? Leaving behind what once was in order to embrace what could be in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, so much to celebrate today. So many good things you have done in our church and through our church. And you get the glory, God. This is your church. You're our Lord. We answer to you. We follow you to the best of the ability that we have with the great help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We follow you, Jesus. God, I pray for those who are here this morning that haven't taken that first step in discipleship of giving their life over to you. God, that they would see this grand adventure that you're inviting them into does require faith. And it is a little bit uncomfortable, maybe sometimes a lot, but it's so worth it. For those this morning that have become a disciple, but they've stalled out somewhere in their life with you. They've, they've walked with you, but now they are limping along. And you're calling them to take another step in their journey with you. Again, requiring faith and maybe no small amount of discomfort. God, I pray for both of those groups and all of us are in one of them. God, that you would just minister to our hearts through your spirit. Letting us know that we take no step of faith on our own. As your son Jesus promised, you are with us every step of the way. He is, your spirit is. And for that, we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a song.